It's an unhurried time of worship that facilitates an unhurried body life experience that opens the door for unhurried prayer and ministry one to another. Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, where we're here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and to help you respond in faith. Please pass this link along to others if it's helpful because we want people, we need people in the body of Christ to be responding in faith right now in the days in which we're living. Which brings me to today's topic, and that is a shelter during the coming chaos. And so helping me to unpack that today is a good friend from the Riverside, California area, David Smithers. Welcome, David. Yeah, thank you, Dave. So great to be here with you. Yeah, and we got to know each other, believe it or not, way back in 2007 at the Institute of Campus Revival and Awakening at Yale University, and uh, we had invited you in to teach a session. So, David, we've logged some miles together here. And by the way, really when we got to know each other even more was when we were on the national uh, leadership team for the Collegiate Day of Prayer, and that was a a joy to be working with you as well. Yeah, Yeah, we put a lot of time and prayer together, so... It's so good to be here. We love, I love just to support all that you're doing. And it's great to have friends, right? That mm-hmm. have, uh, friendships that last. So, amen. David, um, this is interesting where we're going today in terms of uh, a shelter. It's kind of a, a different model, we might say, for whether it's church or for a small group or something, but it's a different approach. Uh, we believe a, a real biblical approach that's necessary in light of the days in which we're living now, probably greater shakings ahead. Um, so a shelter, as we said, in the coming chaos. But um, but David, um, just, just share a little bit, because you are a pastor. It's not like you're it's not like you've given up on the local church model or something like that, but you're taking us in new directions today, but I want you to unpack a little bit like so that we know your heart as a pastor. Can, tell us about your heart for the church. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just recognizing in the current atmosphere and climate, you know, where this last couple of years has been rough on a lot of people, right? Uh, tested their relationships, what they have, what they don't have relationally. And I think a lot of people have become awakened and hungry for something a little more meaningful, a little deeper uh, in regards to their friendships and the ministry of encouragement one to another that they receive in the local church. So, um, yeah, what it's really done is I've always been a guy that loved the, the smaller circle, if you will, to pray together with people. And so um, what we've seen over the last, I guess we've been doing it almost seven years in this area, in the Riverside area, is just these, these times of slowing down, waiting on the Lord, um, interactive ministry to one another, that where you can really accomplish uh, a whole lot more in a shorter amount of space when, when we see people pulled on and activated to get in there and participate. So um, we're very excited. And, and, and I, I guess some of these values I've held for years, but it seems like in the last couple, few years, especially, the Lord def- brings some fresh definition and language for some of this. So, so 
I guess what I'm hearing is it's not that you're uh, running in the other direction from the the local church model, which most of us are most familiar most of us are most familiar with. But it's like you're saying, "Hey, maybe we've missed some things, and we've got to circle back with the scriptures and with our Christian community. We've got to circle back here and, and take a look at some things that are missing." Right. Right. Yeah, so there's some things. I mean, most of the folks that we connect, we have a gathering here out of our home. We have a prayer space, a prayer room. We do that on a monthly basis. And we've been doing that, like I said, for about seven years now. And so most of those people that connect with this are are members of other bodies, of other churches. And we, you know, like I always encourage them, we get to do some things here to minister one to another in a way that oftentimes there is not room or space to do on Sunday morning at their own home church. So um, because of that, we're just, um, you know, encouraging people to develop just this recognition for what they bring, how, what they have to offer through their unique giftings. And also just to pray for one another and to be prayed for. And so as things develop this last couple of years, I'm recognizing, wow, this is, I have a lot of missionary friends and the style of meeting that we're using is a lot of times how the way they would go about planting a church on the foreign field. And when I look at the book of Acts, these are very simplistic meetings that, and these gatherings really do um, reflect more of that simple approach. And I'm just seeing that we need one another. And I think that's the revelation a lot have had over the last couple of years. We really do need, we're not built to do this by ourselves. Um, we're built for to be a body, to be a part of a family, to be a part of a flock. And we need to strengthen those connections so we can be better prepared for whatever's coming next. And, you know, I know me and you share the opinion, as do a lot of our friends, that there is more shaking, more um, challenges facing us in the future. So um, this is put within me a heart to double down on some of this preparation. Right. I think what you're sharing with us today, David, is a good message for any time, any season. Um, This is something biblical throughout church history, as you were just identifying the book of Acts and so forth. Um, But in light of the day and hour we're living in, um, uh, shakings for many years, 9-11 forward at least, but probably before that, and especially in the last two years with COVID and even our our traditional churches getting closed down during the beginning of COVID, which is another reason we want to look at this approach today. But then also... uh, just shakings here uh, uh, present, presently, you know, things unfolding in Ukraine and different things. But then, um, but then also these greater shakings ahead. And David, let's just, before we jump back into this model, which I want to uh, share with our listeners that it's called the Jesus Circle, and there's really some different new things that you've uh, brought to the table here, but not just brought to the table as a concept, but really are moving in and practicing and have become seasoned over these last seven years or so. So we want to jump into that, but but David, before we do, in light of what we just brought up, um, you know, in terms of a, a great humbling coming to America, in terms of greater shakings, 
uh, if I recall correctly, you and I came to that conclusion separately. And then one time during one of these uh, Collegiate Day of Prayer national meetings, we we talked and we're like, wow, we both believe this, that it's going to be a bumpy ride. Like, David, what are some things, just as you're looking at it, that why we're going to need a shelter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's been obvious, hasn't it? Especially since the last, um, during the pandemic, the last election of this animosity, this um, pushback from our culture and society, really, you know, um, it's not as a friendly world to the church in the U.S. as it used to be, what we've grown up, most of us, experiencing. And um, I know me and you both are of the same mind that this is going to do nothing but increase. A lot of people are looking forward to getting back to business as usual, and I, I, I think we have to be cautious about that because I think things are going to be heating up and we want to be start to prepare for what is coming. I really strongly believe we are experiencing the discipline of the Lord right now in our nation. He is trying to push us back to himself, push us back to this simple devotion in Jesus and um you know, we need to um, understand the need of the hour and respond appropriately. And I do think we're being crowded back to Christ and these models of gathering in a more simple, patient way, just waiting on the Lord, praying and worshiping and ministering one to another are going to be the kind of, you know, ways we interact more in the future. I mean, a lot of the ways that the church traditionally structures what it does on Sunday is great for teaching, great for evangelism. It has its place. But I think there's going to be a priority shift in how we gather when when the heat gets on a little bit more. And so that's we're simply just trying to practice and become somewhat experienced in this. So we'll be better prepared when when things move along even faster in the days ahead, if that makes sense. So. Right, right, absolutely. And, you know, um, I believe whether or not we're close to Jesus' second coming, I believe that uh, that there's great shakings ahead for America. But if we are getting closer to Jesus' second coming, one thing every scripture on the end times talks about is that the days do grow more difficult, and therefore yeah. we're going to need a, a, a shelter. Again, this thing that we're for referring to today as a Jesus circle, we're going to need this this environment, and um, it's a shelter, but also, as you've already alluded to, it's much more relational. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, as we talk here, too, I'd like to unpack a little bit that we're really hoping, and you do see, because uh, I've been with you at some of these meetings, uh, gatherings, um, but you do see God draw near. James chapter 4, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. There's a greater sense of God's presence, power, glory, protection, leading. And all of those things happen more, I want to say, at a further level or a deeper level when when you've used this term already a few times about just slowing down, yeah, not, yeah. not following the program or the schedule, slowing down and having uh, unhurried time together. Yes. You know, one thing the Lord has been just helping me, you know, I do, I mean, all of us are kind of a composite of a few different uh, gifting motivations, but 
I have seen that the Lord's just drawing out the more shepherding pastoral side of me in the, in this hour. And one of the things that I felt that the Lord has spoken to me is just that we are supposed to be, have a way of gathering that does mend the nets, if you will. So no one's lost. So no one slips through the gap and is overlooked. And, and so the very way of we gather has a lot to do with the healing that the Lord wants to release in this generation. I mean, the current climate is, I've, I mean, I think most would agree that we've never seen a more orphaned, homeless generation in our life. Um, the, people coming from broken homes on, uh, on, you know, and just shattered experiences in the family. And so the, and then they move on into the church structure and, and they just don't have those skills, a place where they've ever been developed. So creating a space where we can slow down and empower people's voice and encourage them it actually brings healing to their hearts in and of themselves. You know, when you give somebody their voice back, when you give them a place to participate and give and receive, um, then they start, you know, there's relational components in their heart that start to be settled and centered again. Can you imagine, you know, I, I, I think that we're living in a day where people don't have church homes anymore. You know, they have meetings they go to, they run, there's a, a circuit, a conference circuit, uh, a new event every weekend that people can go to, but they don't keep their feet in the same place very long. And can you imagine people that are kind of spiritually homeless and then a coming storm is a scenario for disaster. So we have to get people back in to trusting the whole idea of church that it is God's best plan. We are the visible, physical expression of Jesus in the earth and all those benefits of comfort and encouragement that we so, all of us, so desperately need. So, so, so one thing I just love about what you're saying is bringing healing to our emotional wounds. And you, you're using this, this metaphor of an orphaned generation, although sometimes literally orphaned, but here we're talking about it in a right. spiritual sense, not being connected to other people, not having relationships where we actually see the healing um, come come forth. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's huge for me as I'm listening to you. I, I think I, I do want to circle back a little bit when you just said you're seeing the gifting of pastor surfacing and shepherding. Um, and I think it's important we make a distinction here that, David, I wouldn't have discerned this or made this disti- distinction unless I knew you and if I'd been around this for a bit. But immediately we think a pastor gifting, and we immediately think of our local pastor who preaches on Sunday, and maybe we have brief conversations with on our way out the door after church or before church or, or, or at some function. But that's really not what you're talking about here. When you're talking about a shepherding gift surfacing, like, can you unpack that a bit? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of my favorite verses, I mean, I love one of the, the reasons why we use the terminology circle is this just a Jesus circle is this describes how we minister to one another, how we perceive one another and how we interact towards one another. I mean, you might have a 
man, what a great resource the 24-7 prayer rooms are or the night and day prayer spaces are. But that describes how often they meet or how often they pray. Or, you know, you might have something referred to as a house church. That one describes how often you pray. The other describes where you might pray. But when we refer to the Jesus circle, this alludes to not just how much or where, but how we interact one towards another. And one of the things, I mean, a lot of us know that when we come into these smaller gatherings, they're much more intimate, they're much more transparent, much more raw. You know, there's no place to hide, if you will. You Mm -hmm. know, people are connecting deeply one with another. We know that's why these smaller gatherings work. But one other thing I've really uh, been encouraged by is the Lord's kind of take me back to the scriptures, the gospels, and showing me a, a couple of what's happening here, why this is effective. And so one of my favorite verses um, is these experiences where Jesus goes out and he sees the multitude, like uh, Matthew 14, 14. <clears throat> and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He, he, he went out, he saw them, he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. So this is the way over and over Jesus' public ministry was activated. What he saw, he got up close and personal with the people. He saw their need, which then in turn moved his heart deeply, which then in turn activated the, the gift that was needed in that moment, whether it be teaching, feeding the multitudes, or healing the sick. This see, feel, respond, act, pray, whatever God says to do in that moment. So most of our larger gatherings that are built for teaching or for evangelism, we all file in, we take our place, and we watch one or two on the stage. There's a place for that in specialized ministry. I don't necessarily think that's the best model for gathering the local church. I mean, so often we're staring at the back of someone's head, right? That doesn't naturally activate you to receive ministry nor give ministry. So we purposely use this circle uh, idea to let's, let's really look at the people that God wants to impact. Look at your brothers and sisters, consider them so you can motivate them and, you know, activate them to love and good deeds. So, um, you know, this is very important. Our heart, what we see, what we focus on has everything to do with way our, how our heart responds and then in turn how we we pray and care and love one another. Amen. So, so yes, amen. So, David, um, I need you to go a little bit further on describing the Jesus Circle, and here's why. It's because uh, Renee and I, over the years, we've been to a number of churches um, and, uh, you know, largely because we, we moved from one location to another, but, uh, but sometimes for other reasons. But anyway, it, what you're describing is you sit in church and you see the back of somebody's head, and then you have somebody that's on stage, but they're relatif- relatively distant from you, and you're not right, interacting right. with them. And what I've noticed for Renee and I is how much... Uh, intentionality it takes after the service is done to actually meet those people that all you've been doing is staring at the back of of their head or or they've been stacking at the back of your head, to actually engage them in a way where you would actually, what you just described, see, see their needs, see where they're at, know who they are. 
then, um, then feel something and then actually have the time in that moment to respond in ministry. Like, it's largely just not happening. This little template you just threw out, which is very profound, by the way, uh, that from Matthew 14, that was profound, in terms you see the person, the people, the crowds, whatever, you see it, then you actually are in the moment, so you're feeling it, and then you respond into, it could be just a deeper conversation, or it could be actual ministry, but you actually are having the time to respond. So describe how this is going on in your world of the Jesus circle. Yeah, and, and let me just reiterate, you know, having an event where you where teaching is disseminated, where evangelism is being broadcast, is totally appropriate. It makes sense to have a, we create an audience for those type of events. But when we want ministry, a space and a place that is going to be more conducive to making that deep heart connection, really caring for one another, knowing one another, loving one another deeply, um, you know, this takes, we need to um, participate in a different type of gathering. And I like to look at it this way, is that we, if uh, we who are believers in Christ, the body of Christ, we already have the components necessary to do this well. The Holy Spirit is within each one of us. Um, what is it? First Corinthians 12, 7 says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each of us for the benefit of all. And so when we have a meeting, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and we slow down to actually face one another, communicate, pray over one another, suddenly that gifting becomes activated. Whatever deposit the Lord has, the Holy Spirit begins to flow back and forth. And so though I'm a, you know, I I do consider myself very pastoral, but I did the conventional method where we all go and just hear a teaching every Sunday, then demands for the deeper work of the pastoral ministry to happen through a thousand one-on-ones that a pastor might have throughout the week. And so I actually call these other, these other types of way of gathering a pastor's best friend, because when you activate the body of Christ and people start to consider one another, care for one another, and then begin to pray over one another, then the work of the, the pastoral shepherding component is radically accelerated because we're taking time to listen to one another, hear what the Lord might have us pray for, and care in a much deeper way. And so you can accomplish so much healing and caring and loving one of another in a, in a, in a relatively short time when the body begins to naturally respond, how God has created us to respond to one another. And so, so, so another significant shift here, David, I, I'm sorry to slow you down a little bit, but I'm just like no, no, thinking of fine. my decades of, of church uh, involvement. Uh, another significant shift here is, is that, that we think we're doing well, and I'm talking about me right now, like I think I'm doing well if I can strike up that conversation from the person that sat next to me in the traditional church model, and somehow I can just get to know them a little bit or catch up just a little bit on whatever. What you're really describing here is categorically different. Like we might think of that as a win, what I just described, but really what God's calling us to do as the body of Christ is to bear fruit. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and fruit in each other's lives. We really know each other. Again, we're seeing it, we're feeling it. And there's a sense here, David, if I'm following you here, where 
we're actually really knowing each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is this is so different in so many so many ways. I I just got to include here too that, you know, in the traditional church model, we might not even. Uh, be uh, guaranteed who we're sitting next to from week to week or whatever. So you then you it can be weeks before you talk to that same person again. But in the Jesus yeah. circle, it's small enough where you are getting to truly know the other people. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the sad facts are, and I know this is not by design or intention, uh, any bad motives, but most people, the the person that t- carries the title pastor oftentimes doesn't know their name, never been to their house, doesn't know when you have any information on. And the, the, the opposite is also true. They just never spend any time with one another. And so the, uh, so many believers in the church feel that distance, feel that gap. And it, it, it hinders so much of what Jesus wants to do through his body. But I want to back up a little bit because I don't want this to sound like it's a man-centered thing, a need-centered thing, because the way we conduct these gatherings is first and foremost, much is driven by what we do together by a worship component. So the first, uh, you know, we have kind of a commitment, and that is a term that I use often now is unhurried prayer. And we have a commitment to have a an unhurried time of worship where we reflect on the glory, the majesty, the attributes of Jesus and worship him well. You know, uh, those one or two songs that sometimes we often do as a preliminary to get to the teaching. That's not how we're approaching these things. We want to wait on the Lord, really magnify him. And we have discovered that as you close the gap between heaven and earth, suddenly the gap between one another is closed. So as we begin to give our heart to worship the Lord with one heart and unity, you know, sharing the same songs, lifting up his name, suddenly we discover that God's heart for one another starts to be deposited in the believers in the room. So suddenly there's this very this acute awareness of the burdens that different people are carrying in the room, and you intuitively start to understand how to pray and minister to one another. And so this is, so it is totally Jesus-focused. That's when we call the Jesus circle. But then we begin, because of our focus on Christ, begin to really more effectively, and we certainly don't have this all together yet. We're we're still very much learning, but we start to understand how to minister more effectively one to another. And also then there's more than, you know, like Jesus, when he prayed for the blind man, the first time he prayed for him, he saw men as trees walking. And then Jesus prayed again, and then he saw everything clearly. And one of the things we've learned is one prayer oftentimes doesn't, for whatever reason, if it may be an issue of faith in the heart of the person that needs it, or our issues of faith, or or how we hear the Lord, but it takes more than one touch, more than one contact, more than one prayer. And so it's an unhurried time of worship that facilitates an unhurried body life experience that opens the door for unhurried prayer and ministry one to another. And David, David, just to clarify there, um, when you shift into that prayer time, if, you know, I'm assuming there'd be more than 
there could be four to six people, but I'm assuming a group bigger than that, that that would then open it up not just for one person receiving prayer at a time, but in the room, let's say there were 30, 40, 70 people, then people start to move into this unhurried prayer in smaller clusters, and even individuals receiving prayer from that small group. So it becomes exponentially more of a fruitful time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times our monthly gatherings, you now they typically tend to be a little bit larger because we connect with some folks in our region. But even our, our we have a, a meeting every Tuesday, a meeting every Friday here at our house. And, um, you know, the, the one meetings may be about 50 people, others up upward to 100 on the monthly gatherings. But what, what it might look like, we would worship and begin to pray. And then all of a sudden, like, I'll give you an example of what happened at a meeting the other day was I just said, I, you know, I have a sense that people are dealing with some extra traffic and stress and depression in their heart and mind, which boy, that's not, that's all of us at one time or another. Right. And then I said, does anybody would like to have prayer for that? Well, I mean, I had probably 12 people stand up and said, that's me. That's what I'm struggling with this week. And so, uh, you know, then we're encouraging and activating the whole body to get in on this thing. So I began to pray for one person, but I encouraged others then to circle around them, uh, you know, put and and begin to pray and support them and just pray with them about this issue. And before long, the whole room was activated and involved either in praying or receiving prayer. And then one thing led to another and other needs became apparent related to that that initial um, need that I identified. And so, yeah, I mean, this is why we give ourselves more time. We usually on our monthly gatherings, we'll meet for uh, lunch. We will meet around 1130, have a good meal with one another, a little bit of barbecue out here on the patio, do that for an hour and a half. Then we'll go to worship. A lot of times these meetings last into the early evening at times because we're just not because we're trying to, you know, push the meeting envelope that hard. It's just one need spins off another. And we realize, wow, we're getting more discernment. People are opening up and trusting more, which then in turn activates a fresh wave of ministry. So, um, you know, people have deep wounds and they, they took a lot more than an hour and a half to get into the, some of these messes that they're in, in their mind or in their heart. And it does take a little bit of time praying over people to really help them. And, you know, so, and for us to learn how to pray effectively. Amen. Right. You know, David, uh, another aspect of this that sticks out to me is, um, uh, you know, several months ago, I I was with you and and, and was... uh, you know, taking part in this, participating. There's really no word for like observing, even if it's your first time, like it was yeah. for me with you with that group anyway. Um, it's like uh, full participation. Here we go. All, all believers <laughs> a- a- activated, as you said. And, um, and yeah, so we refreshing. call it a no spectators zone. <laughs> yeah. And that's how, how it was. And so, you know, but um, also like, like praying for people like, okay, again, in my past traditional church experience, often um, if somebody had some sort of uh, physical malady, you know, there might be a a prayer in front of the whole church uh, given by uh, the senior pastor or somebody else, but, you know, it would pray for so-and-so who has cancer and -and so-and-so who has this, and literally 
10 seconds to maybe 30 seconds was given for each person, that kind of a thing. And that was the the total prayer expression for the church service. And, and what you're describing here is a model where um, truly people are having plenty of time and they're receiving plenty of prayer. And uh, back to the physical malady thing, I remember a gal, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a gal and it was like, I can't remember if it was her hand, her wrist, her arm, but it was something that right there uh, with testimony to Jesus, everybody saw her and could see her before and after. And that physical situation with her, with her hand or arm was healed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something I think too, you know, I was, um, I was talking to you the other day, just, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the church and um, was a young boy in the seventies had so much to what we heard, you know, every evangelistic appeal often over and over, we were reminded about the soon coming of the Lord and and Matthew 24 was a chapter that was often preached about in regards to troubling times and I might might add is so much more seems applicable today in which we live but recently I've been going back and looking at that again and what I've started to realize is rather than just a a catalog or a list of frightening events that we might be soon experiencing or already starting to uh, see that we needed to have gatherings. We needed to build in and develop gatherings that are an alternative and a shelter to these troubling times. But one of those things is, you know, that Jesus describes in Matthew 24, that would be a common experience of people at that in the last days was pestilence and famine. So there will be sickness, disease that will increase, and there will be famine, a lack of what we normally enjoy. Uh, and so I, I recognize that we need a community that really can be a resource or shelter from this common condition that Jesus describes in Matthew 24. And one of those components is a very a supernatural generosity where we will share uh, our lives with one another, share our finances and support one another, but also we'll learn how to pray for one another. I mean, even through this last COVID experience, I think a lot of people were at their wits ends. Wow, I couldn't they couldn't get the vaccine or the vaccine, even though they had had it, didn't what didn't seem to make a, much of a difference. And for a lot of believers, they were just used to running to their medicine cabinet or to the doctor when any malady occurred. Now, suddenly we were being crowded back to Christ and saying, Lord, teach me how to pray for my family. Teach me how to pray for my physical health. And they started to do this more regularly. Well, I do believe these shelters, these kind of gatherings where we come together, consider one another's needs and patiently pray for one another is going to be one of the means by which God provides shelter in the last days when things like famine and disease and pestilence are going to be increasing. And that's just, what you're talking about. Dave. Just to say the obvious um COVID is a pestilence. The biblical word in the Greek and he Hebrew for, for uh, a mass pandemic with a, a higher death rate, although for most of COVID, actually COVID did not have a high enough death rate to be considered a true uh, pandemic. But nevertheless, pestilence. Um, 
Yes. Is what is the biblical teaching on this? Uh, plagues and pestilence are part of the uh, years leading up to uh, Jesus' return. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, I just a couple other things. You know, um, Matthew twenty four six, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. I mean, boy, no comments necessary for that over the last couple of weeks, a month or so, right? This news that we were brought, you know, just covered up in what we're hearing all around us that we seemingly can't escape. We need an alternative to all this stuff that we have no control over, right? When a community where we encourage each other in the good news and the hope of the gospel, and honestly, a lot of people that are believers are not well enough connected to a family, to a flock, where they're getting something that can be an alternative to what they're being, you know, barraged with, braided with every day through social media and whatnot. So, so you would say, David, then uh, that that there's a real legit possibility that in the coming days, years ahead that we may not even be able to meet in a what we would call right. a traditional church right. environment. Well, we saw it, didn't we? I mean, I, I mean, I think we were all amazed how this pandemic pulled the plug on church as we knew it. And suddenly what we had was what we had. We no longer had access to this space and place where we regularly worshipped and received some encouragement. And then a lot of believers had never really applied themselves how to encourage themselves in the Lord, how to encourage their, you know, the family altar in most homes is shattered, broken. They were not in the custom of sharing, reading the Bible together, praying with one another or praying over one another. And I, so I think the pandemic created a wake-up call. And, you know, how many of us have said in the past, if I only had more time, I would do this and do that. Well, we got the more time and we still were, you know, left with holding bags with holes in it. And so I do think that where we're going is if the plug gets pulled again on the church as we know it, you know, how we how are we going to cope relationally? Just in the, you know, emotionally, how are we going to be a, a have an atmosphere of faith and security and confidence in the Lord? We have to have one another. We're not built to be alone. God calls us a body. We are interdependent upon one another. Now, I know this cuts against the grain of Western Christianity, as we call it. And, Amer so and American individuality. Yeah, we're so self-reliant, aren't we? I mean, it's both our strength and our and our Achilles heel. And in these coming days, I believe, upcoming, up you know, times of, sh of shaking, um, we need to recognize our need for the Lord, but also the ministry. Of, this is a, a thing I've really come to understand better. Most of what we pray for comes directly through the body of Christ. God, uh, God, help me with provision. God, help me. Uh, I need to be encouraged. Lord, I need perspective. And how often did God answer that prayer by bringing somebody into your life and say, brother, I felt led to give you this, or uh, I felt led to share this scripture with you. And so oftentimes by not being rightly connected to the body of Christ with some regularity, 
having real friends in the body, we are actually frustrating our prayers for God's grace. And I think this is what we, some of us started to realize during this pandemic. And so if we want the richness of all that God has for us, that we're going to desperately need in these last days, we have to be well connected to the body. We have to practically be putting ourselves in the path of other people that are the outlet for the very things that we're praying for. Wow. Well, David, you have really, um, freshly challenged me and i believe probably everybody listening to this um as well i i think uh before we wrap up i want to read one scripture related to all this i want to get your comments but if people have further comments or questions um you can contact uh david smithers on this uh, uh topic as well as myself at info at forerunnersofamerica.org info at forerunnersofamerica.org truly we're only scratching the surface on, right. on, on this and um and i i, I do want to read the scripture but put it in the context david that uh, you're talking about whether you have uh, more of what we call a traditional uh, uh, church experience uh, over the weekend um, or not. Either way, you can move into this. Um, like, David, you have yeah. a, a, a traditional church experience on Sunday mornings, but you're doing stuff, like you said, Tuesday evenings, Friday evenings, unhurried, seeking the Lord together, one anothering each other, and then uh, and helping and so forth. And then you have this once a month where there's people with other Jesus circles that are coming to a, a, your location to, to have a monthly encouragement on Saturdays, which is, I believe— uh, uh, what you said might start with a barbecue or something and then even go on uh, late afternoon or even early evening, and it's completely unhurried. And that's another mental shift we have to make, is yeah. we really want to be in the presence of the Lord. We really want to do the things of God, and it's not a shortcut. It requires this kind of time. So with, yeah. that, with that said, David, let me read Colossians 3.16, and I want to get your closing comments on this before we conclude. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so is it prayer? Is it singing? Is it worship? It's all of that. But it also says here that it's teaching and admonishing. We're not giving up the the clear yeah. important foundation of the of of the teaching of the scriptures and so forth. If you can just describe this a little bit, how it plays out in your Jesus circle, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I do think we have made a little bit of a shift. Where I, I mean, sometimes in many traditional structures, the the pulpit has been dominated by Bible teaching and preaching to the loss of any practical application. We need to really learn anything. You need both instruction and application. Amen. I mean, if any, I'm sure there's many people that are listening today that understand that when they were taught, when they learned, came up at the whatever vocation they have on the job, there was an instruction um, aspect. And then there was this kind of a, you know, mentoring uh, apprentice way of doing things where, hey, look and watch what I'm doing, do what I'm doing. And so this has all but been lost in many of our evangelical churches. So what I would say is we do have teaching, we do have, have admonishment, but it is more 
a brief. We're trying to strike a better balance than to, so we're not only hearers of the word, but we have provided an opportunity to be doers of the word. And so I have found as just a minister for, you know, several years now for the last, you know, 35 years is that, um, you know, if we don't have an opportunity for people to apply what you're instructing them about, they oftentimes lose it. So, um, you know, we want to give a little bit of instruction, encouragement, but we're having an application time that's very intentional because so often things are better caught than they are taught. You know, when we see it, when we experience it, when we share that with others, it leaves a deeper mark and we have a better understanding than how to, you know, find our way back to the Lord if we should ever get away from that place. Does that make sense? So um, um, I, without apology, I will say that we are putting more emphasis on the giving people opportunity to apply these things in the context of our, our meetings. But, you know, we talked about this yesterday real quickly. So many pastors, so many leaders want their people to share their testimony with their coworkers, their classmates, the person at the supermarket. And yet there is no place for them even to practice using their gifts in the context of the local gathering. So, you know, think about how before you went in and tried out for the you know, the football team, the baseball team, basketball team, oftentimes your dad or somebody, oh, big brother, you know, did that with you in your own front yard or your own backyard. In a similar way, what we're just saying is, hey, learn how God activates you to service. You slow down and you can really consider the one before you. You get a heart for that need and then you move out from there with the appropriate gift or a ministry. And that the way that works in the context of our uh, meetings, gatherings, is exactly the same way it works when you're at work or in your class or you're in the grocery market. You slow down. You consider the person next to you. You start to sense God's heart for them and maybe even hear the Lord, a, a very specific piece of instruction, how to ask a question or to pray for them. And then suddenly you know, spontaneous evangelism begins to happen. And I, I, you know, the, my, my daughter-in-law told me just the other day, she said, you know, there, she addressed the crossing guard where the girls go to school. And this lady began to open up about the need of her life, her sick husband. And she pulled her right aside right there and said, can I pray for you? So she goes, okay, well, let me stand aside over here so they can't see me <laughs> for a minute. And they had a prayer time right there at the side of the road. Hmm. But it was because she had adjusted her eyes to in her ears to really, that had, had been developed through these gatherings. So does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, very, very well put. And um, David, I think that this whole podcast mm -hmm has been super practical. So thank you for being so practical, living the life, having the model, and now helping us uh, glean from your experience. It's not just a concept or theory. We're, we're gleaning from your experience. And um, anyway, we didn't get to talk about a lot of the fruit that you've seen in, in not only yeah. your location, but many of these satellite locations with the Jesus Circle. But thank you for sharing. And I do want to just highlight... Uh, 
one of the most practical things that you said here that I think is just so helpful for us as a takeaway. Yes, we want to one another, each other in these smaller groups, but again, slowing down to see uh, the person in front of you, or, or, yeah. or, the, or in Jesus' case, as you quoted, the crowd in front of him, then to slow it down and see it and then to feel it and yeah. then yeah. respond to move into that ministry. So, so David, yeah. a great... A, Great model, a great template. Thank you for for sharing. And uh, thank you, too, everyone, for joining us today on Insights. Remember to like, subscribe, pass this link along to other people. We're living in a strange season in uh, both our national uh, history as well as global history and uh, believing um, that this very likely could be moving in closer to Jesus' second coming. So please pass this link, along, this link along and help people be prepared both for what's going on now, future shakings to come, and ultimately Jesus' second coming.